Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Truncated Thoughts presented by Prescouter. We talk about trendy healthcare topics for just a few minutes. I'm your host, Jeremy Schmier, and as always, I'm joined by Ryan LaRanger. Today, we're talking about generics and biosimilar drugs. Essentially, generics are copies of drugs and biosimilars are modeled after existing drugs. This has many implications for the cost and efficacy of drugs. So we're going to kind of dig into that a bit today. Ryan, to start the conversation, let's talk about the process of creating a generic or a biosimilar. All right. So in both cases, what you're looking for in a generic or a biosimilar creation is you're waiting for the period of patent exclusivity for a given compound to expire. Right. So the whole point of a generic or a biosimilar is that there is a drug that has been developed, either a biologic or a small molecule, and it's gone through its period of patent exclusivity. That period of patent exclusivity expires. And now if you want to make those compounds, you don't have to go through as much R&D and safety testing as the firm that originally developed the drug, because that testing has already been done. Uh, that's sort of why it's called a generic or a biosimilar, because if you know someone makes aspirin or uh, some other drug, uh, and all that safety testing has been done, there's there's no reason to duplicate that effort, generally speaking. So this gets to kind of the difference between a generic and a small molecule. In terms of development costs, obviously it is lower for both, but for biologics um, or biosimilars, the thing you need to keep in mind is when you're making a biologic or a, a protein, this involves getting you know, vats of bacteria or yeast that are programmed to make your protein. And they make that protein in these huge vats. You need to sort of, uh, I will say, filter everything down. This is a very complex process. And so the patent isn't just around the molecule, the the protein, insulin, or whatever it is. Uh, It's around the process to make it, which is very difficult to replicate. And so for a biosimilars developer, they need to still validate the safety of the final product and their process. So the development cycle for biosimilars and the approval process for biosimilars is longer considerably. And they still have a very large upfront cost in terms of just the equipment for making biosimilars. (laughs) It's, um, It's not cheap. There are all sorts of interesting ways that people are working on to try and decrease the cost of manufacturing biologics, disposable bioreactors, some other uh, tricks, um, different transgenic, uh, that, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but the short version is uh, generics and biosimilars are both uh, drugs that you get after the patent has expired. Generics are small molecules and it takes much less time effort and money to make them than biosimilars. Got it. So it sounds like these medicines have a foundation that's been laid by the originator um, and and someone else is able to come in and, and sort of do something with that or at least create something similar. Now, what I think some people are always curious about, I myself as a consumer am often curious, are those generics, are those biosimilars as effective as the original? I mean, so uh, this depends a little bit on the case. So if we're talking about generics, so small molecules, the answer is almost always kind of unambiguously yes, mostly. Uh, It's you're copying the same molecule. There might be some small changes, but generally speaking, it's going to be the same. 
biosimilars, it's a little bit trickier, but again, uh, in the near term, the way we think about generics and biosimilars now, it's going to be for all intents and purposes the same. There will be a different label, it will be made by a different group, but these groups are, uh, generally speaking, generics and biosimilars firms are very, very good at what they do in terms of making a great deal of compound at a relatively low cost. So getting back to the business perspective then, right? So if you're a large drug maker, are you often in fear or sort of preparing your defenses for the inevitable going generic or going off of patent? You know, what's that perception? So they don't call it a patent cliff because they're looking forward to getting there. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of the big drivers, one could argue, of the cost of certain compounds is that innovator companies or the companies that are focused less on making generics and more on doing the R&D around drug development, they have a very short window in which, relatively speaking, in which they have to recoup the enormous development cost associated with making that drug before generics uh, or biosimilars companies sweep in and <laughs> make it almost impossible for them to make money on this drug ever again. Now, there are a couple of things that need to be kept in mind. One of them is there are use patents, right? So when you get close to the end of the life of a given therapeutic, there are ways you can extend the life of your patent by getting a new use or a new indication. Many developer firms have gotten very, very good at this. Um, and frankly, uh, yeah. So, uh, so do you have any questions there before I move yeah, on? Yeah, so, so there is some protection in place to sort of keep the exclusivity a bit longer than say what, five, 10 years, what's normal? Oh God, uh, so the trouble, you don't file the patent when you start selling the drug. You file the patent during the development cycle of that drug. And so the amount of ex commercializable exclusivity you have, that is variable. The things that are consistent are things like it takes about 10 years and a billion dollars to make a drug. Uh, like that's, so the investment cost, and that might even be wrong now. I think uh, the last time it's some genius it's called it Jerome's Law. Uh, it's Moore's Law in reverse. The cost to make a drug goes, goes up. Sorry, did, did you have a question there? No, 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 you're good. So uh, it's just the cost keeps going up. Now, we have better and better tools to find alternative uses for drugs, but generics still play a very important role because it's inventing a drug, right, and manufacturing that drug at scale, that's sort of one skill. Um, generics are very good at low-cost production of huge amounts of huge amounts of a given drug, and that's important because, especially for some conditions, um, you need to make a lot of it, and you want that drug to be accessible. So, the life cycle that we have for sort of drug development, profit taking, and then genericization is it ideal? I'm not sure. I don't think so, but it does allow for that division of labor. So it sounds like some of these generics companies have infrastructure set up to even expand the scale that perhaps the original drug maker had in place for this drug, which, which sounds innovative. I mean, if, if that's right, like what's the future um, of generics in, in the sense of innovation? That's actually a great question. So um, 
the idea of innovation in generics, some of it is manufacturing, uh, especially in the world of biosimilars, bioreactors and all of that. Uh, that problem is not perfectly solved in terms of efficient and cost-effective manufacturing of biosimilars. But in both cases, actually, you see a number of innovations that are impacting the way we think of generics and what they can ostensibly do. Importantly, I could talk about this all day. Um, one of the big challenges is uh, a particular compound can do more than one thing depending on who the patient is. And so as we start getting more and more robust artificial intelligence and machine learning systems that can comb through the clinical trial data that's been accumulated from you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of patients, you can start detecting potential other uses for existing drugs. And so getting that kind of uh, additional use case for a drug that might have previously, you know, it's been genericized for. That's one very, very fertile uh, field of study. There are a bunch of companies who just work on that. Uh, other companies in the generics and biosimilar space are working on getting more involved with telemedicine and logistics in terms of making it easier for people to access these drugs and for application of these drugs to fit into a, call it next generation patient care modality, which depends less on cold chain and doctor's visits and more on telemedicine and delivery. So certainly, certainly a lot that is at play here. And I think one thing you, you mentioned was interesting and a good segue into our next episode, which will be on artificial intelligence, the other uses for existing drugs, having systems that can predict this and detect. So that, that is in fact all the time we have for today. Um, we hope you enjoyed this discussion. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast at Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. If you are new to the podcast and liked what you heard today, we encourage you to go back, check out our previous episodes, and join us again next time where, as I mentioned, we'll be discussing artificial intelligence in the scope of healthcare. Until then, thanks for listening.